Welcome to Biz Bros Podcast. My name is Kyle Nelson. Got my co-host here, Mr. Eli Libby. We have an awesome guest today yes. for the podcast. And uh, we're just really excited. We're going to talk about some really interesting stuff today. Yeah. A little bit about um, you know growing your brand, competing in a supply chain that favors large brands. Very relevant to the work that we do on a daily basis. But first, we want to talk a little bit about the company that powers us, Altitude everything latte it is an oat milk cbd superfood nitro cold brew coffee and this is how we elevate every single one of our Absolutely. podcasts and our morning routine with this uh, it has some amazing stuff in it cbd turmeric lion's mane reishi chaga so much more stuff it's a nice you know what about it? it's the perfect amount of bitterness and sweet mm. it's not too much of either you get two shots 100%. of espresso so if you're interested and your local store does not sell it you should definitely highly recommend it because it's great stuff and if you can't get it where you're at go to altitudebev.com so today we have a great, great guest, Mr. Sean DeClerc. Um, if you're a business owner whose growth is limited by the inability to fund both enough inventory to meet demand and the other costs involved with developing, growing, and expanding a business, Sean DeClerc is the CEO and the man you need to talk to of Kick Further, the first inventory funding platform for physical product brands. He founded the company to help product brands purchase inventory to meet demand and trajectory without being limited by cash on hand and improved margin by unlocking volume ordering discount. So let's talk a little to Sean, to Sean and discuss how to overcome cash flow challenges when you are in growth mode with your business. Ooh. I want to bring him on the podcast. We're super excited to have him today. Um, we're going to chat a little bit more in depth. So Sean, welcome to the Biz Rose podcast. Hey guys, great to be here. <laughs> Had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties in the yeah, beginning of the show. Uh, probably yeah, some of the worst with that. But we are here. We are excited. We are energized and elevated. So let's dive in. Sean, tell the audience a little bit more about you and your background. Sure. Um, I am a philosophy student dropout from Rutgers, uh, born and raised in New Jersey. Um, I don't know. What do you guys, what does your audience like to hear? I play video games. Hey, there we go. What are you playing? Uh, League of Legends. I got the Diamond One playing Warwick only back in 2016. That'll mean something oh. to certain people in the world, yeah. but <laughs> probably awesome. not to most people. It's, yeah, you kind of you kind of went over my head there. I'm not really sure. Are you familiar with that? I know League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never played it. Anyways, yeah. so tell us a little bit how we got how yes. you got started with Kick Further. Where was the where, where was the problem that you saw? What was the moment that you like? Hey, I have a solution. Well, my family's been in supply chain management their whole lives. So, uh, you know, my parents started a sourcing business back in 1978. I learned, you know, kind of cut my teeth professionally working within the family business. And the funny thing is when you work and help businesses with their supply chains, right, it always comes back to product, right? So you can get the right. supply chain, you can have a super resilient supply chain, you can negotiate great terms with the supplier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes down to it, right? where's the money, you know? And yeah. at a certain point, every single product company that we were working with um, encountered the same issue, which was you have to come up with finance to pay some factory that doesn't really know you, right? Often overseas um, to make your stuff way before you get to earn any kind of revenue uh, for selling it. It's a problem I'm sure your sponsor, Altitude Coffee, deals with all the time, you know? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I worked in um, e-commerce before that and dealt with a lot of suppliers and the yep. whole, like you know, being able to to purchase up front and not really know when you're going to get that return. So, 
totally now, and I have a lot of the brains listening from their very, very similar situations as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's dive in a little bit into how growing brands can compete in a supply chain yeah. that favors larger brands, because it's very true. Mm -hmm. The supply chain is going to obviously look at the larger brands because they've got more volume, more money flowing through. But how, how is a smaller brand kind of compete with that? Yeah, I mean, so it's like why, I mean, like it kind of goes down to why is there an advantage, right? And it comes back yeah. to um, what you guys mentioned at the very beginning, which was volume discounts, right? So if you're selling, <laughs> if you're supplying Walmart and Walmart wants to buy like 50 yeah. containers of goods, right? right? Walmart has the ability to squeeze their manufacturers um, on their margin, right? And they'll say you can only earn 5%, right? Because you're selling to Walmart and we're buying in yep. such huge volumes, you know, you're going to take it or we'll go to the next guy, right? And yep. buy from them. Like the pickles example from Walmart is like a really good example where you can buy like a gallon jar of pickles for like five bucks or something crazy, right? And they really, really squeeze the entire supply chain to get to that cost. If you're buying like one pallet load of inventory, right? You're not going to get the same pricing. In fact, yeah, the right. manufacturers very reasonably are going to say, listen, I have to do a ton of work, right? To set up this production run for your one little pallet, right? You've got to pay me to make it worth my while. And right. so you encounter this issue where the bigger you are, the more leverage you have, right? The more negotiating power you have. And then that translates straight into the consumer market, right? Are you going to buy Walmart's $5 jar of pickles? Or are you going to buy Joe's, you know, $10 jar of pickles, right? right? And so what you have is you've got this really, mm -hmm. really um, impressive pricing power, right? That the major mm -hmm. players have, but where they lose is that they're big and they're ossified, right? So they're big, they move slow. They don't know what's cool, right? That's the big advantage that entrepreneurs exactly. have is yep. they know what's cool. And so when the entrepreneurs connect with their target markets, they find something that's working. They're finding like that niche that's working for them really, really well. The way they compete, right, is by taking that over before the big guys can kind of catch wise and say, hey, right. that little product's working. Let me go to that factory, buy 10 times the volume and price that business, you know, price them out of the market. Right. And, and essentially, so it's like, once you hit that nerve of product market fit, you need to grow, 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 acquire market share and become a threat. Right. And then those big guys are going to buy you. They'll just buy you out instead of trying to develop against you. You know, makes sense. 100%. I absolutely, I love it. And I, um, again, back in the e-commerce world, same thing. I saw um, Amazon doing that with their Amazon basic brand. They, they were validating on their marketplace what was working, what wasn't working. What was working, they would just ask you for the PO and then go back and do it themselves. They'd under they'd underprice everything and then you'd be out of the market. Yeah, so exactly. Totally, totally get what you're saying. Amazon is per particularly pernicious because they actually yep. ask you who your suppliers are when you're yeah. onboarding as a new vendor, right? So it's like if you're not pretty smart and pretty careful, um, they have all of that data to outcompete you. Like oh, yeah. you provide it to them on the front end, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a threat, unfortunately, that smaller brands don't realize until it's been done. Where yep, larger brands exactly. are obviously are aware of it, and, and they're not. It's not spoken to them. Yeah. So, I and think if you don't have like a patent or something to protect you on the front end, yes. it's it's almost a question of when, not if. You know, right. mm -hmm. it'll happen. Totally. And the hard part about patents too is like, do you do it before you validate the product as your works and spend the time and the money to get the patent, exactly. or do you wait until you see the volume? And you could be too late. That's why I slip up. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's essentially as soon as you start getting that success, you need to hit the gas, right? Yep. And you like, you need to have the resources in place mm -hmm. to be able to accelerate when you know it's working. 
Um, and that's how you win, right? And if you don't, if you don't kind of have your ducks in a row prior to getting to that product market fit, mm -hmm. you don't get the outcomes, right? Of doing all of that hard work right. to find something that's working in the market. It starts to work and then boom, somebody comes and eats your lunch, right? That sucks. Yeah, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. um, could you maybe explain a little bit? I think some of our listeners uh, would like to really understand the difference between a traditional finance option and what you guys do, like inventory mm -hmm. funding uh, platform. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, there's really, honestly, there's not that much traditional finance available out there, right? So, when people think of finance, what they think about are loans, right? I go to a mm -hmm. bank talk to a banker. He looks at my books, right? And they say, great, you have a line of credit or we'll here's $100,000, right? You have to pay us back $110,000 in six months or nine months or a year or whatever else, yeah. right? And the reality is for most of the entrepreneurs that we work with, um, they just don't have access to loans, right? Mm -hmm. Their business have, has existed for 12 months, 18 months. Maybe they have three, yeah. 500, you know, K of trailing 12 months revenue. Banks aren't interested in providing inventory finance, right? So traditional, traditional finance simply isn't available to right. a lot of entrepreneurs out there in the world today, right? As the banks get bigger, their appetite for those small loans just disappears, right? right? And and we've seen a massive consolidation in the finance industry in the last couple of decades, right? Like Dodd-Frank, too big to fail, did the exact opposite in the finance industry. We've seen the biggest, uh, mm. the biggest consolidation in banking since Dodd-Frank in the history of banking, right? So wow. it actually made the bigger banks way, way bigger, right? And wow. data supports this. So, so what you have now is you've got these giant banks, right? They own most of the market share, and they don't want to. They don't want to deal with little yeah. entrepreneurs, right? Uh, for you know, twenty five k, fifty k of loans, right? So where do those guys go? They go typically to Merchant Cash Advance, right? And the way Merchant Cash Advance works, it's not a loan, right? The way a loan works is you borrow money and then you have a payback schedule, right? Every month, every two weeks, whatever it is, you have to pay back some money, right? Merchant Cash Advance is totally different. Merchant Cash Advance is a discounted purchase of your future revenue. So they look at your business and say, for the next $200,000 that you earn, right? We're gonna take it, okay? But we'll give you $160,000 today. Right. And they'll do a split like 50% of your future revenue goes to them, et cetera, et cetera. Right. right. And because it's a discounted purchase of future revenue, they actually get a lot, they get around the Fair Lending Practices Act. Right. And they're not subject to usual wow. laws. So these guys, if you look it up like publicly, wow. you can find that these merchant cash advanced daily debit products are like, you know, uh, on deck in 2019, their dollar weighted average was 48.6%. And the APR on their most expensive loans is over 100% APR, right? So it's literally, it's like, it's, you know, look, I think there's certain levels of risk where that's appropriate, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. wow, this guy's so risky, you really need to yeah. charge like an arm and a leg, right? But yeah, that's yeah. not what's happening. Like in a lot of cases, mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're just lending for as long as they can to people that aren't that risky, right? But they haven't done the work to qualify who are the actual risky businesses and who are the not risky businesses. So they just have a super high rate for everyone, right? And then they charge, you know, kind of like um the losers, you know, the winners pay for the losers in their portfolio, right. right? That's the way it typically works. And that's the way almost every other lender works, right? Is they they borrow from some bank at X, right? And then they're lending it out to lots of different businesses at Y, mm -hmm. right? So they borrow at X, yeah. they lend at Y. The difference between X and Y is how they make all of their money, right? Um, wow. And that's why they need the Y to be as high as possible, right? So these lenders traditionally are fundamentally at odds with their clients, right? They want to lend at the highest possible rate 
their, their clients want to borrow at the lowest possible right. rate, right? In order to improve their margins, blah, 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 blah. All right. So that's the way the world exists today. Enter mm -hmm. Kickfurther, right? So on our platform, we don't lend. Kickfurther isn't a lender. I don't have a balance sheet. I never borrowed capital from anyone. We operate a marketplace. And on our marketplace, anybody can buy the physical goods on behalf of a business, right? You own and hold title to those physical goods, but they're placed on consignment with the business. As that Ooh, business sells through the inventory, it triggers the underlying consignment contract and the business pays their inventory funders back. So how is this different? One, there's no set repayment days. Okay, if you don't sell the inventory through consignment, it doesn't trigger the underlying consignment arrangement, right? So there is, uh, there's no way, literally, funding with Kickfurther as a product business, you cannot go bankrupt. We cannot drive you into bankruptcy unless you breach our contract, sell our stuff, and don't pay for it, right? Okay. It's pay as you sell finance. Um, it doesn't come in to your balance sheet or your profit and loss as an asset or a liability because it's not a loan on your books. Um, and it's not technically your asset. It's our user's asset, but you get to recognize the revenue. And probably the best thing, right, is that we have a subscription model. So businesses pay us to access our community of funders, and then they get to access that marketplace um, at the at whatever the profit they need to offer to secure their funding, which is variable depending on the businesses, right? But we let the market speak. Yeah. Um, and the beautiful thing is this, is that you start with Kickfurther when you're small, right? 150K yeah. of revenue, three, like 300K, whatever, right? And we have liquidity uh, people, funders that want to support businesses all the way from 150K of revenue to our biggest businesses. We just had our biggest deal ever funded was 1.18 million yesterday, wow, funded wow. in about a week, right? Wow, and so you've nice. got partners to support you from small $12,000 of inventory, right? All the way up to millions of dollars of inventory. And all of that performance, right, is all on our one platform. So you can show the whole world about what an enterprising, right, and credible entrepreneur you are, as opposed to working with like several different lenders, right, and building out a track record very laboriously with all those different lenders. Amazing. What's the return look like for the funders? Uh, so 2020, we have an average of 20% IRR. That's in a pandemic year. Um, our underlying checklist scorecard that we run all of the businesses through, we iterate on every single month. So Historically, in the last three years, our IRR is about 13.5% dollar-weighted loss adjusted. Um, mm. And in 2020, we were at 20% IRR, which we're pretty happy wow. with. That's a really good return. Absolutely. With money, and it's like, yeah, that's, that's really good. <laughs> I mean, the stock market's been super hot, but we're pretty yeah. happy and right, with exactly. what we're doing here. And, you know, what we're looking at is, you know, stock markets, stocks, get that. It's great. Um, mm -hmm. Here, you're working with, like, literally hundreds of entrepreneurs that... that yeah. right don't have financing options or have much worse financing options, right? That makes it a lot harder for them to grow their business, a lot harder to compete. How long have you been around for? Man, uh, we incorporated August of 2014. So we are over cool. seven years now. Pretty nuts. Wow. That's crazy. That's cool. Thinking. So cool. what are some of the, the main reasons um, brands really face like cash flow problems. Like mm -hmm. Where are the big cash flow problems coming from? Is it typically inventory that you're seeing? It's it's really um it's that event we talked about earlier, right? They mm -hmm. get that they hit that product market fit and suddenly 
they, you know, people want to right. buy 10,000 yeah. units, but they've got 2,500 units in stock. Right. Yep. And it's like, oh crap, how do I pay my factory for two or three or right. four times the amount of inventory, right. That I've ever purchased. Right. You think mm -hmm. some company that's been going a lot of direct to consumer through their Shopify, through Amazon, e-commerce, whatever. Yeah. Right. And then some buyer at target is like, Hey, I want to put that into 50 right. targets. Right. Yeah. Good freaking luck finding yeah. the money to pay yeah. for that. Yeah. Right. When you've been selling yeah. a thousand units direct to consumer. Right. Like, right. and, and that's Hold one the of the, 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 it's the craziest thing, right? Cause it's like literally one of the most exhilarating, exciting moments for a product entrepreneur. And then it's right. terrifying because it's then horrible. you're like, Oh my God, how do I pay my factory? Right. right. And it's like, it's crazy. Totally. It's almost, I mean, there's a lot of FOMO involved. You know what I mean? You don't want to miss out on that opportunity. So you're going to figure out any way you can to get that factory Even to generate. Even if it's really bad deal. Really, really bad Exactly. Deal. You're going to lose your butt on it, but hey, you got the big deal. But yeah, you're, you're in Target. And, and in often case, in often, right, Target goes to you and they say, hey, we want to put you in 25 doors. If this yep. goes well, we're going to put you in 150. You know yep. what I'm saying? So it's like, Good oh man, I need to, <laughs> it's like, it, it just ramps, right? And when you get that yeah. level of success, you know what you don't want to do? is you don't want to go to Target and say, hey, I'm really worried about whether I'm going to be able to deliver on these POs, yeah. right? Like, yeah. see you later, right? Yeah. Guess who they're going to place the order with? Your competitor. Yeah. Your you know competitor. what I'm saying? So nobody brings up this finance problem uh, yeah. to their vendors either, right? So it's just this, like, it's kind of hidden, you know? Right. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's insane. It really is. Yeah, that's that's really crazy. It, and I that's know, why I, I tell people, you know, ahead, I'm like, get ahead of it, right? Like if yeah. you have the success you want to have, I mentioned like get your ducks in a row, find your right. finance partner now before Target comes with that big PO, right? Because you don't want to, to be desperate, right? Yeah. If you're desperate and you have to take whatever money is available to you at the time because that PO has a delivery date, right? And if you miss that delivery date, you miss the relationship with Target, um, you so want to have those resources in place already. You don't want to have to scramble for it when the time comes. I think that's a great point. I think a lot of people can think about that because launching a product uh, direct consumer, hopefully you're confident enough that it will pick up traction and you should be able to get these big deals. Right. So yeah, why not Why not put it in place? I mean, is there any risk for the, the, the product entrepreneur to, to get it started early in case that were to happen? And if it doesn't happen, then nothing really comes of it. Not, I mean, not with Kickfurther. The nice thing yeah. uh, with our platform is we have, we have a subscription model. We also have a free model. So if you just want to start trying it out, there's mm. literally zero cost to the business unless they're successfully cool. funded, at which point we charge a 5% funding success fee, right? So it's directly okay. aligned when they get funded, we earn 5%. That has felt pretty fair. Uh, you yeah. know, our entrepreneurs typically like that. Um, and otherwise, you know, if they're confident in the scale and the growth, then we definitely think the subscription model, when you're doing like the APR math, right? It makes right. a lot more sense for entrepreneurs. That's, that's very so, cool. so what happens, I'm just out of curiosity, like what happens mm -hmm. when the, the funders, uh, inventory themselves, if they own the, the inventory, what do they do with it? Yeah. So every single product business, every entrepreneur has this idea, right. Of how long it's going to take for them to sell their inventory. Like, Oh, it'll take me a season. You know, it's, right. it's never more than a year on our platform. Right. right? Um, but let's say it doesn't, right. The, it happens, right. I thought this product was going to be hot. The market didn't yeah, respond the way I wanted to, yep. or like we had this happen a couple of years ago. Remember those, uh, those, like everybody was had those little rolly scooters at home, like they're called yeah. hoverboards yeah, and yeah, then you couldn't ship them anymore. Like right. D, like UPS and FedEx yep. were like, oh, yep. these things are lighting on fire, so we're not exactly. shipping them anymore. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. so that like toasted a company that we were working with, right? Interesting. Um, wow. And then you know what happened was 
essentially the buyers at that point, they literally get to vote. It's like, hey, do you want to give this guy, the entrepreneur, more time uh, to try and sell through the inventory because whatever didn't happen, right? A PO fell through or this, that, and the other, right? Whatever. Um, Or do you want to cancel the underlying consignment contract, call back the inventory? You as an individual can take delivery of the specific units you funded or kick further puts it through liquidation, right? So it's like, if you really don't think that the business is going to be able to sell through the stuff, we'll liquidate it for you, but it's not going to make anyone happy, right? Nobody likes a liquidation. Uh, It's bad. Uh, I mean, it's a a loss. I mean, that's that's the whole thing about investing, right? Sometimes you can have a loss, but guaranteed, guaranteed when. That's a cool, cool. And and to kind of like tie the business model together for you guys though, is is liquidating. Mm -hmm. I remember that being a huge issue for us, like finding somebody to liquidate product and inventory. What are some ways you guys do that? Just super curious. Yeah, um, I'll give a shout out to our partner, Arca Supply, which is Asset Recovery Company of America. They're another Mm -hmm. Buffalo-based company. Greg Shoemaker has been absolutely wonderful to work with. Uh, He literally handles all of our liquidations. So we have to take possession of inventory. It goes to Arca. He bags it, tags it, you know, gives our users the opportunity, um, you know, to individual user shipments to those users if they want to take delivery. And then he liquidates the rest for us. And, you know, look, liquidation is liquidation, right? So you're getting like really pennies on the dollar is what you hope to get. But the nice thing about our partner is is it's like hands off for us, right? It's not our right. specialty. We work yeah. with experts. There's no, there's no reason to get, you know, make that a part of our business model. Interesting. Wow, that's really cool. Being in, um, <laughs> do, you have, do you have a question? I said, so just being in supply chain, um, what are your current thoughts on the current state of the uh, global supply chain? I'm super curious on, on experts thought on all that. It sucks for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like not a good situation. Um, yeah. My sister had a container just had this experience where she paid like $3,000 extra to guarantee her spot on a ship that was going to go to Seattle. The shipping Mm. company sold her spot for more to another person. And then they put her container on the next boat that went to LA, which has like a six week delay. And she has, she had a seasonal product. She had a summer product, right? So she blew one entire year of revenue pretty much just went poof. Like, and it's just like, so that sucks. And it has happened to so many people. Um, right now, if you, if you can pay air freight, right. It's like now's the the time don't lose your customers, right. There's going to be enough. The one thing that I'll say is that the pain is being shared. So I don't Mm -hmm. like, there's nobody that hasn't felt this a little bit. Right. And so the pain is being shared pretty broadly. And the light at the end of the tunnel is that uh, things are normalizing, right? So we're mm-hmm. seeing that container rates are coming down. It was really like the pandemic and Q3, the holiday season in the second year of the Ooh, pandemic just screwed all... people up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow. But it's starting to normalize. I think it'll still be more expensive next year is my feeling, mm-hmm. um, but probably it'll shake out in the next couple of years and it'll be come back to reality. Yeah, it's only a nightmare. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a headache. And one of the things that we tell, you know, one of the things that I tell entrepreneurs when I meet with them today is don't count on being able to get inventory in six weeks anymore, right? The days of like six weeks to get inventory from China are gone, right? You should, when you have six weeks of inventory left is when you, you should have your order like already placed at that point, right? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to get, everybody should be getting ahead of it now. Um, which, you know, funnily enough, having a financing source to be able to buy more exactly. inventory is a, is a handy way of getting ahead of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys provide a very unique service. That really yeah. How do you guys vet your funders? Funders? Yeah. Uh, Can so we rely just on and, and buy to be a funder. Yeah, so it's uh, available, open to everyone. Technically, what wow. you're doing is the same thing as going to Alibaba.com and buying some crap, right? Yeah, so you're, yeah. It's literally a purchase of physical goods. Um, anyone can participate. Right now, we're limited Very to cool. U.S. only, over 18. And then we work with, uh, you know, the, the, our vendors who provide yeah. our ACH services also provide that, uh, you know, anti-money laundering, know your customer sure. letter for us as well. So you guys do all the payment processing and all that and... and um... Like, like, we we pass through, uh, pass through again partners right like that's not our business so we work with yep. partners to handle that very cool well, that's awesome awesome John well as we wrap this up uh, if there's one thing that you're hoping that um, our listeners take away from from our conversation what would that be um you know I would say like that. Look, that being an entrepreneur, starting a business is tough, but there are a lot of resources out there. It's probably the most interesting, one of the most exciting times to be starting a business. You know, chaos, it's like Littlefinger says, chaos is a ladder, right? And it has been a chaotic world for the last couple of years. That also means that there's a ton of opportunity. So there's just really, really exciting stuff. Um, At Kickfurther, we respect the hell out of entrepreneurs. Um, So if we can be a service, if I can help answer supply chain questions, you know, provide feedback on finance or anything else, right? Uh, use us as a as an asset for your entrepreneurs and and for anybody else. Um, come check out Kick Further Pro. You know, happy to be uh, a awesome. service. Yeah, my last question always is where they can where can they find you? Uh, www.kickfurther.com. Awesome. Well, Sean, thank you so much thank for you. your time. That was an awesome conversation. I'm super interested about it because I'm not too much of a supply chain uh, expert at all. So anytime I get to learn about it, I'm like super intrigued. Thank you. So awesome, awesome man. Well, thank you so much for being on the Biz Rose podcast. And we will make sure to, you know, get you on another podcast down yeah. the road. And maybe we can talk a little bit about it. hopefully the supply chain kind of normalizes. Yeah. And see how people are doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully those predictions turn out right. So <laughs> all right. Awesome, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Biz Bros Podcast. Just go to Biz Bros, type it in on any podcast platform that you listen, and we will make sure to talk to you and get any feedback if possible on the next episode of the Biz Bros Podcast. Thanks, guys.